listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, I want to ask you to open with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And while you do that, I just, uh, I know Drew just prayed a little loud. Can you come down just here? I know Drew just prayed, but um, can we just pray again? Can, can we just uh, go before God one more time? Lord, I just, uh, I'm just constantly amazed, dear God, that you use a sinner like me. And Lord, I just get to preach your gospel this morning, dear God. And Lord, nothing makes me more excited than preaching your gospel this morning, dear God. And I just pray, God, that as we're in this place, Lord, I just know that there's so many people in here coming, dear Lord, that just need to hear your word, dear God. They need to hear life, God. And I just pray that you would breathe life into them, dear God. And I just pray, dear God, for those who are struggling here today, God, I just pray, God, that you would just uh, feed them your word, dear God, that they can know how to live for you and know how to glorify you, dear God. And I just pray that you would give us a hunger for your name here this morning, God. I just pray, uh, Lord, uh, it, just as that song was saying, oh, praise the one who paid my debt, God. I just pray this morning that we could just cry out to you and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. God, uh, as we were in prayer time earlier, just somebody mentioned there's not a word that we could just utter to say how much we appreciate what you've done on the cross, God. And I just pray this morning, dear Lord, as we open your word, I pray that this, this time would be an act of worship as we come before you, dear God, and, and just seek after you, God, and just want to know you more, God. Just please show us who you are right now, God. I'm begging you, as we open your word, will you show us who you are? Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house and worship. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So if you do have a Bible, I want to ask you to turn to Hebrews 10. We're going to be specifically in verses 24 and 25. Uh, we're going to be jumping around a lot, moving around. I normally don't like to do this a whole lot, but we're going to be moving around a good bit today. But don't worry, you're not going to have to find your Bible. It should come up on the screen. Uh, Russ has got our back, right? So if you've got your Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, while you're going there, uh, Today we're going to continue our sermon, our sermon series through the wind. All right, and in the in our little sermon series called the wind, we've been going over the four cultures of Connection Church. All right, so the four cultures that make our church what it is, and really what we consider the four cultures of any healthy New Testament church. Right? What what is the Bible? What should the culture of a New Testament church be? That's what we've been uh, really kind of trying to talk about in our series, the wind. Now I'm about it's quiz time, so. Instead of me telling you the four cultures, can anybody tell me, except Jeremy and Lindsay Deal back there, anybody who doesn't get paid to be here, can you tell me what the four cultures of Connection Church are? Anybody got some? Generosity, all right? So we believe a New Testament church should be generous, all right? Community, all right? That's second. You don't count either. He's from Dublin. They're about to plant a church in Dublin, right? Connection Church is going to Dublin. All right, community. How about anybody know number three? Getting hard now. How about evangelism, right? We believe a New Testament church should be about evangelism, about sharing your faith. And the last one, we talked about it last week. Now, I know y'all listen to Jeremy. What did we talk about last week? Service, yeah, somebody listened. Jeremy, one person listened, so feel good about yourself, all right? 
So those are the four cultures that we think should make up a New Testament church. Service, generosity, evangelism. And today we're going to be talking about community. And the question we're going to be answering is, what does it look like to win in community? If we're winning at at community, what does it look like, right? And so as we're talking about community, I realize that when I just say that word, a lot of you don't really have any idea what I mean when I say community. So up front, what I want to do is I just want to give you a definition of what community is, all right? This is is my definition of Christian community. Community. What does it mean? It's when one or more law or two or more saved people, as people who've been saved by God and follow Jesus, meet together for the purpose of seeking and or worshiping God. All right. So when you come into a place and you you come with the purpose of seeking after God, I want to hear from God. We're opening the Bible. What does God have to say to me? Or we're going to worship God. God, thank you for paying my debt on the cross. Thank you, God. When you come together with two or more people and meet together, that's what Christian community is, right? And so at Connection Church, we have a couple of different ways that you can experience community. First is Sunday morning service, right? So every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, we as Christians come to church. Uh, why do we do this, right? We, got, we never really stop to think about why we do this. We all leave our house at like, most of you probably don't leave it till like 10.57 because you don't get here till like 11.08, but that's another sermon, right? So that was a joke. I'm not, I'm not getting on to you, right? So you get here late and like we all get here at 11 and we come in and we sing a few songs and then we hear a, a guy get up and preach. That's community. We're coming together and we want to worship God and we want to seek God, all right? The other way we do that at Connection Church is through connect groups, all right? So connect groups is another way we make, we experience community. So at Connection Church, the main way that we want you to experience real real community is through connect groups, all right? And a connect group is a group of about anywhere from 10 to if they get really, really big, maybe they'll have 20, but we try to start, you keep them from anywhere in the range of 10 to 20 that meet Uh, at some point throughout the week, and what they do is they talk about the Bible, they talk about what's going on in their lives, they pray for each other, and they share, and they share, they do life together. They might share a meal together, and they, they just live life together. At Connections, Connect Groups is the way we make a big church small, right? It's the way we make a big church small. So when I say community this morning, I just want you to have an idea of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about two things in terms of what we're dealing with. I'm talking about Sunday morning service. We're all here now. Glad to be here on Sunday morning. And we're talking about connect groups, right? So that's the two things. So as we're going through this, as we turn to the text, I want us to answer a question. Why is this important? Why do we do this? Like, I don't know if y'all realize this, but most of y'all are not going to live very long, myself included. Like, We might have 80 years if we have a good life, right? And if all I got is 80 years, I don't want to just do stuff. I want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to have a purpose. So as we turn to, as we look at community today, I want to know why it's important that we do this. Because here's the reality. I know that most of us in this room take for granted that we can come here and worship together. I know that most of us in this room take for granted, hey, that we can come to Connect Group on Wednesday night and do a, and have a meal together and and, uh, and sit beside a friend and talk about what, what's been going on in his life or her life and talk and share scripture and say, I really need prayer for this. We take for granted that that happens, right? But need I remind you that there are places in the world right now today that people are literally losing their lives for this very thing. Like people would die just to be able to come and do what you're doing on Sunday morning, right? So why, why is this so important? Why, why do we take it for granted so much? I was reading this week, and I came across a quote, and this is what it says. It was t- this guy was talking about community. Can you put the quote up there for me, Russ? This guy says, It is true, of course, 
that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. He's talking about community. He's saying, he's saying, those who have this don't realize how special it is, right? It's kind of, it, it just, it's normal to you. Oh, I'm just going to get up and come to church on Sunday morning. Hey, but what, what Bonhoeffer's saying there, what that guy's saying is that there are some people in the world who would literally die for this. See, as I was kind of praying about this this morning, God just laid it on my heart. Here's the deal. People lose everything they have. They lose their houses, they lose their livelihood, they lose their jobs, and in some cases, in some parts of the world, they lose their lives for what we will have in connect groups and on Sunday morning service, but yet, most of us can't commit to a local church now. Like, you've been to Connection yet? Yeah, I love Connection, man. It's it's a good church, but I just ain't all in on that music, so I ain't going to get committed. You mean to tell me that some people's willing to die for this and you can't get committed because you don't like the music? Right? I mean, we just take it so much for granted. So why is this important, guys? Why is this important? I want us to look at the text. If you got your Bible, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 24. The Bible says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, this is important. Not neglecting. That means don't ignore this. Don't put this off. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. As I read that verse and I was, as I was getting ready, this, that one question jumped out at me. Why is this so important? Why do you not need to ignore this? Why do you need to be here every Sunday morning? Why do you need to get involved in Connect Group? Why is this so important, right? So that's what I want us to talk about today. I got four things I want you to know. Why is this important? Four things. First thing is this. Community is important. All right, connect groups are important. Sunday morning service is important because sin is deadly. All right, that's the first thing we're talking about this morning. You need to be involved in Sunday morning church. You need to be involved in community because sin is deadly. Let me show you what I mean from God's word. Romans 8.13. Russ is going to hit it up there for us. Romans 8.13 says this. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what's Paul saying there? Paul's Paul's making clear that if you live in sin, all right? So what it means when he says live in, it means you open the door, you step into sin, you close it behind you, you dwell in it, you live there. You're not going anywhere, you like staying there, right? You live in sin, you will die. What's he mean when he says die? He means you'll die spiritually. He don't, he's not just talking about like you're physically going to die. We're all going to physically die. It don't matter if you sin or not, right? But he's saying you're going to die spiritually. What's it mean to die spiritually? Ultimately, what that means is that you'll be separated from God and forever spend an eternity in hell. That's what Paul's saying there. If you stay in sin, if you live in sin, you're going to die. Sin's deadly, guys. Anyone who walks in continual, unrepentant, open rebellion against God and what his word says will die. Like, and I, that's hard, right? Anybody who does, what I'm telling you is that anybody who reads this word and takes what this word says and says, I know what that says, but I'm not going to do it. Or you don't even think about it. I'm just not going to pay it any attention. Anybody who does that will spiritually die. Spiritually spend it forever in hell. And guys, we live in a world that tries to sugarcoat this, right? 
They just, we try to water that down. Listen, I, like some of y'all are staring at me right now, and I understand that when I say stuff like that, it's not making me any friends. Like y'all were like, that, that, when's Jeremy coming back? Golly. Then he gets back up here and he says the same thing, and y'all were like, amen, brother. Right? Amen. <laughs> we live in a world that tries to sugarcoat this. We try to water it down. Don't say stuff like that. We're surrounded by people and influences that are are constantly trying to soften this reality. We're told, hey, sin's really not that bad. We're told that, hey, God really won't send people to hell forever. And and the people act like, if you really believe that God would actually send somebody to hell forever, you're an idiot because a loving God wouldn't do that kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of world we live in. Guys, but what I want you to see is that God's words doesn't pull any punches on this, Right? It's not trying to soften the blow. It's, go, it's going directly for the jugular here. It's telling you what it, God's word says. It's, it's not softening it up. It's not pulling any punches. It's saying, if you do not bow your knee to God, if you do not live how God says to live, if you do not surrender your life to God and say, God, I'm small and you're big. I don't know everything. God, you do know everything. God, I want to live my life like this, but I don't know everything and you say to live my life like this, so I'm do it your way if that's not what happens if there's not that experience in your life that at, at some point when you die you will not only die physically you will die spiritually and you will experience eternal damnation god's word's not softening up any guys so it's even more important though as we read that verse he says he says if you live in sin you will die what's even more important to realize guys is who paul's talking to there so who's paul talking to all right Paul's talking to Christians. That's a scary thought. So, hey, a lot, most of you guys out here, you're here on Sunday morning, right? You're doing good. You're a Christian, right? Or you, you profess to be a Christian. Paul, but Paul is looking at Christians, people who are saved, people who know God. And he's saying, Paul is telling Christians that if you don't kill sin, I don't care if you say you're a Christian or if you say uh, uh, whatever you say you are, I don't care how much you go to church. Paul's looking at these people and saying, if you don't kill sin, you'll be put to death. And he's talking to people who go to church every Sunday. Guys, what, so what's Paul really saying there? Is he saying that Christians can lose their salvation? Like, hey, you can be saved, but if you, keep on, if you keep on sinning, you lose your salvation. Is that what he's saying? I don't think that's what he's saying. Let's look at the next verse, 14 and 15 there, Russ. It says, for who, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You didn't receive the Spirit to fall back into slavery is what he's saying. He's not saying that true Christians can lose their salvations. What he's saying is that if you're a Christian and you receive the Spirit, by the power of that Spirit, you're going to put to sin death. So let me tell you what that means. It is not optional then to open up a door as a Christian and say, I'm just going to take up residence here. I'm just going to live here and be comfortable with my sin. Paul's saying if you have the Spirit... You have to kill sin. There is no other options. So you know what that means? If you don't kill sin, you don't have the Spirit. If you don't kill sin, you don't have the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. All right? Listen, Paul says in Galatians 1.10, he says, am I trying to please men or please God? As I was thinking about telling you guys this this morning, I was like, God, they're not going to take that very well. I'm telling, what I'm basically telling you is, I don't care what you've ever said. I'm a Christian. I go to church. If you don't kill sin, you're not a Christian. That's going to make some of y'all mad at me. Some of y'all are just like, I, 
What do you mean I ain't a Christian? I've been coming to church my whole life. I don't care. That's not what the Bible says. And the Bible says if you don't kill sin, you're not a Christian. So how does this, how does this tie in the connect group? Though? That's my, so as I'm thinking about this, how does this all tie back in the connect group? How does community, how does Sunday morning service, how does uh, connect groups help us put to death sin? Here's how. Community is where Christians put to death sin, all right? Because in community, Christians grow in God's word and they talk about their struggles and they pray for one another. That's how community, that's how Sunday morning service, that's how connect groups help you put to death sin, all right? So for us at Connection, this happens particularly in connect groups, right? We get together on a night of the week and we get together and this past week, we started off our connect group by saying one thing we felt like God was really teaching us this week and one thing we were really struggling in. And guess what? Everybody had something they were struggling in. And you know what that, you know what that does? It opens you up and it makes you put to death the sin you're struggling with. But what I want us to also realize is that this should also happen on Sunday morning, right? So we come in here on Sunday morning, and like we're a relatively laid-back church, I would consider. Like if you want to wear a dress and a nice suit or whatever, you can wear it. Nobody, you might get like, if you wear a suit, you might get a funny eye. But like you can pretty much wear what you want to, right? But anyway, we come in here, and we're all prim and kind of proper. And, you know, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. We just, everything's fine, right? But we don't ever really talk about what's going on in here. Guys, Sunday morning service ain't just about coming in here and a preacher preach a good word. It's about coming and dealing with what's in your heart, what's in your life, what you need to get rid of. Look at James 5.16. You got James 5.16, Russ? It says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. What's he say? Confess your sins to one another. He doesn't say, hey, if you sin, just back up, don't tell nobody, and it'll go away. That's not what he says. He says, confess your sins to one another. Listen, I don't care if you're here today and I don't care what your struggle is. You could have a struggle with porn. You could have a struggle with a bad marriage. You could have a struggle with lust. You could have a struggle with pride. You could have a potty mouth. You could have depression, anxiety, drugs. I don't care what your struggle is, right? The Bible doesn't say sit on it and don't tell nobody. The Bible says confess it, talk about it. But what I want you to know is if that's your struggle, this church is the place for you. And it's time that we stop coming in here every Sunday morning and saying, hey, brother, I'm good, I'm good. Never mind what I looked at on my computer last night. Never mind that I've been cheating on my wife for three years and she still don't know. I'm good, brother, I'm great. It's time to deal with it. Guys, what I want you to realize is that I've experienced this personally. I'm not just up here telling you, oh, you need to join a connect group, you need to have an accountability partner, you need to come to church and talk about what's going on. Listen, there have been times in my life that I have been so just engaged in this particular sin or this particular sin or that particular sin where the only way I could find strength to kill it was by calling the, the people that I'm closest to and confessing what was going on in my life and having them pray for me. There have been, there's brothers that I have wept with, that I have wept with about sin in either my life or their life. Why? But because sin's not just, a, it's not soft, it's not just okay, sin will kill you if you do not deal with it. So, me personally, I've got two people in my life right now, two, or about two or three guys, and then my wife, you know, I try to tell my wife everything, I don't try to hide anything from her, but I've got about three guys in my life that I, that I can call at any time and pray with, 
and tell them what's going on in my life and tell them I'm struggling with this. And you know what? They'll come. And they don't just say, you know what? I'll be praying for you, brother. They don't just say, well, man, that's a real struggle. No, they put down what they're doing. They come find me and they pray with me and say, we're going to put this to death because they know that if I don't kill sin in my life and I know that if they don't kill sin in their life, that it'll kill us. This is why, as Christians, we kind of forfeit the right to say to other people, don't judge me. How many of y'all ever said that before? Right? Don't judge me. Why are you coming at, man? Don't judge me like that. All right? You, can't, you, don't, you ain't never walked a mile in my shoes. Right? That's what we say to people. But here's what I want you to realize. As a Christian, we want people looking at us. We want people to point out stuff in us. We want people to come up and question things in our lives that don't seem pure and don't seem right and don't seem in line with God's word. Because here's the deal. If there's something that's going to kill me, and by God, please be nice to me and come tell me that's going to put me to death if I don't deal with it. We're inviting that in. I asked me and Jenna, we have a little family worship times or prayer times. That worship's probably making it sound better than it actually is. Sometimes I read the Bible and Jenna falls asleep. That's, what it's, that's really what it's like. <laughs> we, have these, we have these family devotional times, right? And if Danny's not crying, which is very seldom, we'll get in there and we'll read the Bible and, and pray for each other. But when we do this, I'll ask her all the time, what can I do better? Whew, that's like a whale. It's a deep subject, Right? But we, there, there, come, and there comes a time in your life, Christian, where you've got to stop looking out and start looking in and saying, what do I need to deal with? What's the devil got a foothold in my life that I need to deal with? Stop looking at everybody else. Start looking at yourself. And I, I, realize, that, I realize as I'm talking about this, it made some of you uncomfortable because the thought of confessing your shortcomings to somebody else is just like, no way. All right, you ain't been taught that's the way you're supposed to do it. You've been taught that you're supposed to go to church and keep your mouth shut. Are you supposed to walk in and be prim and proper? And if you got a real struggle, don't act like it's a bad thing. Don't, don't tell anybody what's going on because you'll deal with it yourself. They don't need to know. Right? You don't want the idea that you would confess your shortcomings to somebody else is just eating you alive. But I want you to realize two things. First, the only reason that that eats you alive is pride. If, you, if in your heart right now you say, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want anybody else to know about that. Pride. Because it is only pride that makes you pretend like you're more than what you actually are. Because I got two things for you. God knows who you actually are. You can, put, you can pretend as much as you want. God knows. And I guess what? We all know too. You can try to pretend as much as you want. But we all know that we're all jacked up. Because deep down, guess what? We know that we're messed up and we're not alone. Stop pretending to be more than you are. And get this, guys. I want you to realize this. If you're here this morning and you're not involved in community, you're maybe not even connect, you know, committed to Sunday morning service, I want you to realize this. The path of secrecy, all right, the path of secrecy is the on-ramp to death and destruction. You tracking what I'm saying there? That was, that was a deep sentence. The path of secrecy is the on-ramp to death and destruction. Keep, being, keep keeping it quiet. Keep, being, keep keeping it a little secret. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it until, guess what? Everybody knows about it because it's blown up in your face. Sin's like a, a, a line. I, anybody ever watched that story, I Survived? I've told this story a million times, but it's so good I just can't not tell it again. All right? everybody, everybody know the I Survived story? All right, so there was this, you know the story, I Survived. Like people get eaten by cougars and stuff and like, I survived, I don't have two fingers and stuff, but I'm alive, all right? 
there was this uh, supermodel in a in a uh, ad for like Old Spice or something. She was wearing like a bikini, and they walked a line in behind her, and she just took like this shampoo and was like sitting up on a line, like you know, having a good time, posing pictures, and the line comes up and eats her. I ain't talking about it ate her a little bit. It just destroyed her, right? Like, and she survived somehow, right? But they go to the line tamer later, and they're like, that line tamer's like, man, I've had that line for years, and he ain't never done nothing like this. All right, two things. First of all, you hadn't had that line for years. That line's had you for years, all right? A line is an apex predator. You know what I'm saying? That means when he's not eating, he's thinking about eating. And people are surprised when this lion came up and ate the woman who was laying on him. Is that not how we are with sin? We keep sin over there, and like we're just going to play it safe and keep it right here. Nobody else has to know. I'll deal with it on my own. I'm just going to keep it right here. And then we're surprised when it burns us. It's like setting a fire in your living room and being mad when the house burns down. Community is important because sin is deadly. And in community, we find the encouragement and the strength to put death sin. So I, before I leave you this thought, I want you to think about this. I, had, I come across another quote that I was reading. Uh, will you put the quote up there for me? It says, if your love for Jesus is going to survive the onslaught of Satan and evil, you must meet with those who can stir you up to love and good works. Woe to the person who thinks that they can be a lone wolf Christian they can be lone wolf Christians in the la- as the last day draws near. Woe to the person who thinks he can be a lone wolf as the last day draws near. What I want you to understand is Satan is out to destroy you. And if you are not actively involved in community, he'll have you. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, community is important because the Christian life is hard. So uh, let me show you what I'm talking about here. F- from 1 Peter 4.12. It says, Peter's writing the church, a church and he's saying, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So the next reason that community is important is because the Christian life is really, really hard. All right, And as Peter's writing uh, this church, what he tells them is, don't be surprised when in your Christian life you come across hard times. That's what he tells them. And not just any hard times. He doesn't just say trials. He says fiery trials, right? So not only is, going to be, is life going to be hard, life's going to be really hard, all right? That's what he tells them. And so, Christians, what I want you to do is rest assured today that trials will come in this life, and life will be hard for you. There ain't no doubt about it. You can, if, if you live long enough, you'll be cut. If you live long enough, you'll be cut. So what, what, are the, what do these trials look like? The Bible tells us they come in various forms. And I was thinking about what these trials might look like. One way that Christians experience trials today is when they're persecuted for doing what's right. All right? You tracking with me? When, you, when the Christian does what's right, they stand up and they're persecuted for it. So some examples of this might be, do you believe in traditional marriage here today? Do you believe? I'm glad. You're the preacher. Do you, do, you, do you believe that you should stand up for the rights of the unborn? Do you believe that a man should lead his household as head? I'm glad you do, but chances are if you hold and believe these practices in the current culture in which we live, you'll be persecuted for it. You'll do right, and people will hate you because of it. How about another way that trials come upon, come upon us? is in the physical circumstances of life, just everyday circumstances. How about this? Has has anybody you've ever known and loved developed cancer? Have you ever had a two-month-old with colic scream all night? 
Have you ever lost someone you love way too soon? Have you ever received a late notice when you're doing all you can? What I want you to understand is that hard circumstances will come in this life. How about one last way is when we're living as strangers on this earth. Life's hard as a Christian because we live in a literally different world. Have you ever been living and you just, you notice the people around you, they talk different than you do. They think different than you do, right? You're a Christian and you're trying to live this Christian life, but man, people, they just don't get it. And you're trying to tell them and they look at you like you're crazy, right? We live as a stranger, guys, in this world. And what I want you to understand is that if you are signing up for a Christian life, you're not signing up for a life of comfort. You're going to be persecuted at some point. So it's obvious that we're signing up for a hard life. Community, the thing about community, the thing that makes this important is that community gives us the strength to endure hard times. This is why coming to church on Sunday morning is so important if you really are a believer. All right, so community is important. Sunday morning is important. Connect groups are important because for every person in this room, trials will come, and when they come, it is important to be surrounded by people who can walk by your side in the heat of the battle. There's going to be a time in your life when everything's broken, everything's not going right. What am I going to do? I can't get it right. In that moment, you need somebody that's willing to weep with you as you hurt. You need somebody that's willing to pray with you as you seek God. You need somebody that's willing to stop you in the middle of your pouting, stop you in the middle of, oh, my woe is me, and point you back to the place where your hope lies, and that's in the cross. And I got news for you. You ain't going to do it yourself. You ain't going to say in the middle of your pity party, very few of us stop to say, you know what, Jesus has got me. That's why we need to be surrounded by other Christians. Let me assure you, there is not one Christian in this room that is strong enough to make it through this life alone. There's not one of you. So the next time that alarm clock goes off and you're just too tired to get up in Sunday, for Sunday morning church, that's fine. Sleep in. Don't worry about it. And the next time that you're just too busy to get up and go to Connect Group, you got too much going on, you'd rather, you need to stay home, don't worry about it, just skip. However, know this. If you're, if you're not investing in Christian community, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to fail at this Christian life. It's funny how God prepared me for this sermon. This past week, and, I, and me, one thing me and Jeremy are committed to is just being as transparent with you as we, pro, as we possibly can. And so I just want to be honest with you. This last week was probably one of the hardest weeks in my life. I mean, it was, it was just brutal. If I'm honest with you, most of you spent more time in God's Word this week than I did. Every day, it was like I was just getting beat down. Every single day. And by the time I made it to Friday, I was exhausted, and I had to end the week in a doctor's office. And we left that doctor's office. I didn't necessarily get bad news, but I didn't get the kind of news I wanted to hear. And as I was driving home, me and my wife, I was sitting up front, and I was trying to be, you know, big macho man. Everything's all right. Don't worry about it. I mean, the chances that something could actually ever be wrong are like one in 17 million. You know, don't, don't sweat. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Face is on, right? Inside, like, I'm just, I'm dying. I'm being eat up. I think, I, think I, I hit it from a pretty good until now. But when I got back to Millen, I called two guys, or I talked to two guys. I texted one and told him, man, I'm struggling. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going, if I can do this. Like, I, I, I want to be strong for Jenna, but like, man, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside. He texted me back and said, don't worry, I'm going to come pray over you. I got on the phone with the other one, and I called, and I, I got on the phone with him, and I just said, man, 
I just got to be honest with you. I've had a hard week. And as I got to talking to him, I didn't, even, I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. And, you know, men don't cry. I started crying. And I, I, was just, I was on the phone with this guy, and I was just sobbing. And you know what he did? He said, Dallas, just stop talking. Let me pray for you. Let me just pray for you right now over the phone. And he prayed for me. Guys, what I want you to understand is that sometimes the preacher gets up here and y'all are like, man, the preacher, he's got it all together. Him and his wife don't ever argue. His kid sleeps all through the night. Like he, His family's great, right? What I want you to understand is that the strongest people in your mind still need community. And I got proof of that. Jesus had two small groups. He, had to, he met with the 12 disciples, and then he had the group of three that he took with him everywhere he went. If Jesus needs community, let me ask you this. Do you think you can get by without it? Even the strongest of us need it because, guys, this life's going to get hard. And then the last thing is this, point number three. Community is important because the mission is urgent. So the final reason that community is important is because the mission God has given us is, is urgent. It takes, it's, it's, it's right here, right now. We got to go to work. So we all know the mission, right? We all know the Great Commission. The Great Commission is what? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. That's what God has given us to do. So we know that our purpose for having breath in our lungs is to leave this place, get up, go out into the world, and however we can, tell other people about him, show them how great he is, show them how much he loves us, show them how good he is, point them back to the cross. Our job is to glorify God by making disciples. We know the mission. I can, most of y'all in this room, if you grew up in church, can recite the Great Commission from memory. It, the mission, we know it, guys. We got it on the back of our hand. Some of us got it written down at home on the refrigerator. Some of us got these nice decorative little plaques that says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Everybody in this room knows the mission that God's given them. Go make disciples. The problem ain't with us knowing it. The problem is that we forget that the mission is urgent. Let me show you what I'm saying from the Bible. Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying the mission of God is urgent because for every single person who has ever lived, judgment is coming. That's a reality of the Bible. You read through your Bible one time, and you go, if you don't come away with anything else, what you're going to realize is that there's going to come a day when every single one of us will stand before God and have to give an account for the breath we breathe. Because that breath ain't yours. It's his. And when you borrow something, you've got to give account for it. But here's the question I got for you. As I was thinking about this, and this, this is what God laid on my heart as I was preparing for this. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that every person who's ever lived is going to stand before God and have to give an account? And do we really believe that for those people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they will spend an eternity in a place called hell that's described in the Bible as a lake of fire? Do we really believe that? Because here's the thing. This past week, as I was thinking about this, as I was really praying about this, I, I had an opportunity to show some love to a family member of mine. And as I was getting ready to go and do this thing, God just kind of laid on my heart, you need to be a witness to, to this guy today. And I was like, yeah, God, I probably should. And God was like, well, you know, if nothing changes, he's going to die and go to hell. I, I thought, really, God? 
Do I really believe this? Listen, if I really believe that the people I love the most, if they don't have a relationship with Christ, will spend an eternity in hell, man, that would consume me. That would be what my life was about more than anything else. Listen, if I got a father, if I got a mother, if I got a brother, if I got a sister, if I got a friend, if I got somebody I hate, and I believe that if they die apart from Christ, they're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell, then I would be consumed with getting the gospel to them if I really believed it. So you know what that tells me? We don't really believe it. We don't really believe what God's word says. We say we do, but we, we're talking about it with our mouth, but we don't really believe it with our hearts. Listen, I, think about this with me. As I, was, as I was getting ready this morning, I thought about this. Think about the length of eternity. It was somebody once said that if you could take a goal from the west coast to the east coast and he carried one grain of sand at a time. One grain. And he carried it from the west to east and dropped it off and went back and got another one. The length of time that it would take that goal to empty the beaches on the west coast of all the sand would be only the beginning of an eternity. How can we possibly live with knowing that and not be urgent about the mission of God? God's told you what he wants from you. Go therefore and make disciples. Go to those who don't have a relationship with me and show them how much I love them. How can I show them? Be, display it for them. Live for them. Say, what can I do to help you? What, how can I serve you? What do I need to do? Hey, let me tell you something. If you do that, it won't take long before they'll stop asking because people don't live like that anymore. And we come up with all these excuses. Dallas, who am I to tell somebody they're going to hell? Let me ask you something. If you really believe that somebody's going to die and go to hell forever, who are you not to tell them? Are you serious? Who am I to tell them they're going to go to hell? Do you not care at all about the person? Who are you not to tell somebody that they would spend an eternity in hell? Listen, I know we don't like hearing sermons about this kind of thing. We don't like talking about this kind of stuff. We want to come in and we want to be encouraged and we want to say, yeah, life is good. I'm going to make it. I'll be back next Sunday. Guys, church is about more than that. And if that's what this church is going to be about, I'll find another one. And if that's what the next one I go to wants to be about, I'll find another one. But you know why I come to Connection Millen? You know why I'm a part of Connection Church? Because that's not what we're about. We're about seeing lost people get saved. We're about seeing those cut far from God come to know God. And you want to know why community is important for this? It's because it is, community is important because I promise you, you will not stay focused on the mission that God has given you if you are not plugged into people who are like-minded. You will not do it. And here's the deal. If I know that my life is supposed to be about living for God and glorifying Him and making disciples, and you know that, when we meet together, what are we probably going to talk about? Probably something about God and about how our lives are supposed to be lived for Him and that we're supposed to be trying to make other people know Him. And then we're going to get together and we're going to eat and we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to say, can I pray for you or anything? And you're going to say, can you pray for me for anything? And what's going to happen is when we leave, we're going to say, I'm going to live for the mission of God because it's too important for somebody to die and go to hell on my watch. And I just can't, I can't settle for the thought process of just saying, it's okay. Somebody else will tell can't settle for that. In my own life, guys, in my own life, I can't settle for it. I pray that you won't either.
Here's the last thing, the very last thing. I wanted to, I wanted to give you three reasons community is important. Then I want to tell you this. Why is community not an option? Community is not an option for anybody in here. So if you think I'm trying to give you a sales pitch this morning of why you should join community, you're wrong. I don't have to tell you why you should join community. The Bible does that. It's not an option for anybody who's a Christian. Here's why. If you've got a Bible, John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, John 13, 34 through 35. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. How? Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is one of the very last things that Jesus is going to die on the cross that he tells his disciples before his crucifixion. And this text leaves Christians with one option. Love one another. Now here, Jesus is not saying love one another talking about the rest of the world. It's not what he's talking about. He's saying love one another as in love other Christians. All right? That means that Jesus has commanded you without option to get with people who are, who are Christians, profession Christians, and love them. That makes community not an option. And even more than that, what's Jesus say? By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So Jesus, in Jesus' mind, all right, if, if I could know anybody's mind, it would be Jesus. In Jesus' mind, the greatest evidence for a true, a true salvation, the greatest evidence for how somebody else will know that you are really saved is how Christians treat each other. That's the greatest evidence. That means if, if the greatest evidence is how Christians love one another, that means you don't have an option but to love other people. Christ isn't saying, hey, if you want to be involved in church, be involved. He's saying you, you have to be involved in church. So why, is it, why does Jesus say this? Why is it the greatest evidence? Why is it the whole world will be able to look at how we love one another and know that we're saved? The answer that's found in when Jesus says, as I have loved you. Jesus says that community is the greatest evidence of salvation because he knows that once we experience the radical love that he gives us, the way we treat other people will be forever changed. So how does Jesus love us? When we think about it, how does Jesus love you? Let me tell you how God loves you this morning. Christ loved you so much that he went to the cross to die the death that you deserve. And what I, what I want you to understand in that is Christ didn't just die for you, all right? Christ didn't just die for you. He died instead of you. You see the difference in that? The difference is, in one scenario, I'm not on the cross because I don't really have to go there. When Christ died instead of you, what Christ did is he said, no, you don't have to experience the wrath of God. I'll take it for you. Why did Christ died instead of you, not just for you. We're the ones who sinned against God, not Jesus. We're the ones who don't live like we should, not Jesus. We are the ones who lie, not Jesus. We're the ones who cheat, not Jesus. We're the ones who steal, not Jesus. We're the ones who lust, not Jesus. We're the ones that commit adultery, not Jesus. We're the ones that swear, not Jesus. We're the ones that gamble, not Jesus. We're the ones that look at pornography, not Jesus. We're the ones that shack up, not Jesus. We're the ones that get drunk, not Jesus. We're the ones that lie, not Jesus. We're the ones that commit adultery, not Jesus. 
We're the ones that gossip, not Jesus. And what Jesus does is he says, not you, me. And this is what Jesus knows. That if you've experienced that, it'll change how you treat other people forever. So here's the thing. This is evidence because when the outside world looks at us, they're going to think things like this. How can people forgive each other so easily? How can people forgive each other so easily? Because here's the thing. Christians can't stay mad at each other because they've experienced the grace of Jesus. You ever had an argument with somebody and you just wanted to be mad at them? You just didn't want to, you didn't want to forgive them, right? But you can't. I gotta forgive you. I don't want to, but I have to forgive you because you can't ponder hate in your heart. And when people say that, when the lost people look at that and they say, how do people forgive so easily? They're gonna think Jesus is the only answer. And when people when lost people look at us and they say, How do they love each other so much? Jesus is gonna be the only answer. And when lost people look at us and say, Why do they sacrifice so much time for each other? Jesus is going to be the only answer. And when they look, lost people look at the church and they say, how do they let grow of grudges so easily? Jesus is going to be the only answer. That's evidence, guys. Community, connect groups, Sunday morning service is the greatest evidence to the outside world that we actually believe what we believe. So what does it look like to win in community? To win in community looks like when we're killing sin together. It looks like when we're growing in God's word together, when we're living on mission together. It looks like when we're coming together and saying, I'm struggling with this. What are you struggling with? Let's go live for God together. And if that's what you've wanted all these years, you've never had that in a church, I'm here to tell you that you have come to the right church because we're not doing church unless we have that. So as I close, listen, there's a couple things I just want to encourage you with practically. Maybe this morning... You're you're hearing what I'm saying, but you can't love other people like that because you've never experienced the love of Christ like that. Maybe you're one of those people that you realize this morning, I ain't been saved because I had never put to death my own sin. I can't love anybody else because I've never experienced this love that Jesus has given me. What I want you to realize this morning is that you can have a relationship with Christ. All you have to do is respond in obedience, put your faith in Him, trust in Him, and and surrender your life to Him, and you will be saved. The Bible says repent and be baptized. That's what you have to do this morning. If that's you this morning, what I want to ask you to do, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning because we've got a lot going on. What I want to ask you to do this morning is when the invitation hymn starts, I'm going to be up here. Jeremy's going to be up here. I'm going to ask if there's anybody in our prayer team that can be up here to stand right here in this corner. We're going to be standing here. And if you realize I need the love of Christ, I need the salvation that Christ offers, we're going to be standing right there. Come and say that to us, and we'd love to pray for you. The other thing is this. How can you be more community, committed to community? Some of you aren't even committed to coming on Sunday morning. Sometimes I see some of y'all for two weeks and don't see you for three. And y'all are like, well, the preacher don't notice there's 200 people there. It's, we notice, right? Maybe you need to be more committed to coming on Sunday morning. For some of you, maybe you've been committed to coming on Sunday morning, but you hadn't taken the step to get plugged into a connect group. This morning, listen, we're making it easy for you to get plugged into a connect group. When you leave out of here today after the invitation song, all of our connect group leaders are going to be standing right back there. And if you see somebody you know and you're like, hey, I'd kind of like to be in their connect group, go up to them and say, hey, I'd kind of like to be in your connect group. Here's what they will not do to you. They will not kick you, they will not bite you, and they will not punch you. That's guaranteed. 
maybe today you need to be more involved in a connect group. Maybe lastly, not this, maybe lastly, you, maybe you're in a connect group, but maybe you sense that there's a place you can go deeper. Listen, I wasn't lying to you earlier when I said I got two or three or four guys that I can just go deep with at any given moment. Three or, two or three or four guys that I can call at any minute and say, listen, I need some prayer about this thing or that thing. Some of you need to go deep with somebody. So if, you're, if you're wanting to be a mature Christian, you need somebody that you can pray with, somebody that you can weep with, somebody that you can say, I need you to be praying about me for this with. I, guys, nothing has helped me grow more in my, life, in my relationship with Walt, my relationship with Christ. So as we close today, maybe that's your next step. As always, this altar is going to be open and we'll be over here if, if somebody needs to talk. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I just thank you so much that your word does not return void. I pray that you would uh, save souls today to the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom. And God, I just can't wait to watch you work. In Christ's name I pray, amen.